for me. Thank you, Lord. He is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. Just how beautiful you are Great your affections are for me And oh, how he loves us so Oh, how he loves us How he loves us so
be seated. Isn't it awesome to know that God truly loves us and what an amazing thing to sing about. Our hope and prayer for you this morning is that you would experience Christ's love and you would experience in a fresh and new way. Maybe maybe you've never really experienced his love for you or maybe you have, but there's so much more to know about his love. In fact, Paul prays to the Ephesian church. I love this. It's one of my favorite passages. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. What an awesome thing that, that Paul, God's love is so great that Paul even prays that we would have the power to know that love. And I guarantee you, if you really dig into to God and to his word and to knowing him more, you will grasp his love more and more and more. And that's the awesome thing is there's always more of his love to understand just how great it is. So we pray this morning that you experience and you know God's love for you. We're so glad you're here to worship with us. Uh, I'd invite you to take your bulletins out at this time and you'll see there's a little tear-off card. You can tear that off and fill it out. Uh, we just want to stay connected with you. That's a great way to communicate with us what's going on in your life, how you'd love to be involved in the church. Um, and even uh, ways that we can pray for you, things like that. Uh, we just love to connect with you and keep in touch with you. Uh, so fill that out if you'd like, and you can leave that on your seat, and we'll collect those afterwards. If you're new with us this morning, we just want to welcome you, uh, and we've got a gift for you afterwards. So if you'll fill that card out and hand it to us in the back, uh, we've got a gift. Just say thank you for coming and being a part of worship this morning. Uh, and we truly hope that you experience Christ today in worship and his love. A few announcements I do want to draw your attention to. Uh, you'll see in your bulletin uh, the Triad Area Gathering there. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's a, it's a great opportunity uh, for us to get together with about 20 other churches in the Triad Area and worship together. Uh, it's going on this Sunday night, this coming Sunday, not tonight, but next Sunday night. Um, and then through Wednesday night, every night. It's 6 p.m. on Sunday, 7 throughout the week, and you can gather together. Uh, the address for Shady Grove Wesleyan Church is on there. Um, and it's a chance to gather together with other Wesleyan churches in the area and hear from some great speakers uh, from the adult, youth, children. They're all top-notch uh, communicators, and I encourage you uh, to take part in that and be a part of that. We will not have our regular children and youth on that Sunday and Wednesday night because we'll be participating in that. So I encourage you to check that out as much as you can during that. Uh, a few other things. You'll see there's a, a new women's Bible study that we'll be meeting or a book study. Uh, if you've got questions, you see there's contact information in your bulletin for Lindsay Hubbard. Uh, if you want to contact her and, and see uh, more about that. So I'd encourage you ladies to check that out. Uh, and then also the men. Uh, there's men's softball signups out in the foyer. Uh, that's a great way to fellowship and connect uh, uh, throughout uh, the spring, summertime. I encourage you to be a part of that. Just a lot of great things going on. Uh, so check out your bulletin and also the newsletters out there if you want to see what's going on this month uh, and find out ways to get plugged in. We'd love for you to feel connected and a part of the family. So uh, I just encourage you to do that. Let us go to God in prayer as we continue to worship. God, you are so good to us. God, as we've, we've already sung about your great love, God, I pray that you would help us to see how It's beyond measure. God, it goes beyond human understanding or knowledge. So, God, I pray 
that we would sense your love in just a little bit deeper way today. God, whether, whether we are far from you and do not know your love at all, or whether we have known your love but just need that deeper sense, I pray that you would meet us each where we are this morning, that we would come to experience you and to know your love. God, may you invade this place with your presence and with your love. God, that you would fill us up so that we can go out and love those around us. God, you are worthy of our praise this morning. We give you all the praise and glory. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand with us as we continue to worship this morning.
believe that this morning, that our God is faithful, that he's all our strength that we need this morning. The cool thing is that uh, God came to us while we were lost, while we were lonely, while we were wounded. To crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Praise the one who paid my debt. Amen.
Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He continue to worship. We want the the kiddos to go ahead and make their way to children's time and we're going to continue in the attitude of praise and worship as Mark leads us in some prayer time and as we uh, focus in on God calling us by name. Let us uh, go ahead and be seated at this time. What an awesome, rich song to think about. He paid it all. It doesn't matter what we've done or who we are. Jesus has paid the price and I love that line. It talks about coming before the throne, coming before a holy God who is almighty, all-powerful, and completely perfect. And us who are sinners who have fallen so short can stand in front of the throne complete. Amen? Complete. Not broken, not messed up, but complete. Not because of what we've done, but because Jesus has paid it all. And in Scripture, it talks about God singing over us. And I love that image, that God loves us and is so proud of us that he sings over us. And so as we continue in worship, I want you to imagine God singing over you this song we're about to sing and inviting you to come away with him on a journey. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not just some decision we make. It's not just something we do occasionally on Sunday mornings but is an invitation to a journey, an incredible journey that is beyond what we could plan for ourselves, beyond what we could imagine for ourselves. And he invites us to journey with him as we follow Christ, our Savior and our King, who's paid it all and made us complete in Christ. So as we sing this song, I invite you to take whatever posture of worship and prayer that you want. If you want to come to the front and kneel and worship, if you want to stand and praise him, if you just want to sit and soak up God's love, I invite you to do that. Let us pray and then we'll continue to worship God as he sings over us. Father, you are so good to us. God, we we can't even imagine sometimes just how deep you and what a costly price that you paid in order to make us complete and whole in you. God, I pray as we sing this song, as we allow you to sing over us, God, that we would be uh, just ushered into your presence as we are invited to come away with you on a journey that is beyond anything we could imagine or plan for ourselves. And just realize, God, that you have invited us because you have great plans for us plans that are full of you, plans that are good and awesome and great. God, may we allow you to sing over us, soak in your love and your presence this morning. Amen. fit as you allow God to sing over you this morning. If you want to stand, you want to kneel, just do whatever God lays under upon your heart this morning.
never too late. It's not too late. It's not too late for you. I have a plan for you. I have a It's not too late for you. 
God's plans are wild, that God's plans are great, and that they're always full of Him in your life. Let's just sing that softly one more time and just let's go away with Jesus before we listen to His Word. Just go away with Him this morning. So come away with me. too late. without you is not great. We know a life without you is only fleeting. But a life filled with you is eternal. A life filled with you is amazingly wild and crazy. So move us this morning. Move us to follow this morning. As we come, as we come to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We want to come away with you because there's no other hope or joy that's available except you. We give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. Christ's precious, matchless name we pray.
sorry. Uh, wow, well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? We want to welcome you to uh, Christ Wesleyan and pray that uh, God's blessing would be upon you this morning as we continue our series called Follow the Leader, as we uh, look at all it means to follow God and to totally be consumed by Him and transformed by Him. And uh, this morning, I truly do pray that at the end of this message, if nothing else is remembered, even just that you understand that you can come away with Jesus, that he will lead you, that he will guide you, and that he will direct you. It's the most important thing, if we don't get anything else out of the message, that he will take you where you are to where he wants you to be. So that's an extraordinary truth that uh, we want to encourage you with this morning. But uh, we do want to welcome you as we continue this uh, series. We're on week four of the Follow the Leader series as we've been asking a, a question each week. And then we've been allowing the scriptures to uh, address that question. And, and sometimes these questions are kind of hard because a lot of these questions are ones that maybe we have been formulated with since we were wee little lads if we've been in church all the time. And sometimes it's people are like, oh my gosh, what's he meaning? What's he saying? We're not, I'm not trying to destroy the faith or change the whole faith situation by looking at different ways to, in, to explain the powerful message of Christ. And in this series, we hope to not to necessarily just split language hairs here. We hope to grow deeper in our faith, to understand what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus. And today we're going to be asking a question that's built upon a statement that probably all of us have said at some point. I know I've said it in my ministry and stuff like that. And especially in the world that we live in, sometimes it can be misconstrued. It can be seen as something that's what it's not meant to be. Because like we understand the statement. We hear the statement that says, you need to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. Have you ever heard that statement before? Right? You know, most every one of us have heard that statement before. I probably have used that statement before. And what that statement means is you need to make Jesus your personal Lord said is that I have to, I need to confess, right, that I am surrendering myself to God, that I am basically surrendering who necessarily my life for his life, that as he comes to call us to come and to live and to, uh, to be totally transformed by who he is. I mean, we, when we understand that, though, we sometimes don't explain that to everybody, especially when they're coming new to the faith. We kind of do the bait-and-switch model, right? We kind of say, hey, just make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. You know, and, and it's like, this is good. Say the little prayer. We talked about the little prayer thing, and we don't find that in Scripture, right? That doesn't mean you shouldn't pray or shouldn't receive God to be your Savior and stuff like that. But what we want to look at with this statement, can we literally make Jesus our personal Lord and Savior is the question I want to look at this morning. And I know most of you say, well, of course we can. I mean, I remember if you've come in faith, it's like, yes, yes, I can. But we want to look at Scripture and see if we can make him Lord and Savior or if he already is, regardless of what we say or what we do. And as we look at a couple passages, and first of all, before I say that, when we, the reason I'm going to be talking about this is because when we think of the word personalize, what do you think of? You think of personal, you think of something that's fit towards your understanding or your desire, right? I mean, we personalize all kinds of things, don't we? I mean, we personalize cars, right? I mean, we want to make it just like we want to make it, like we have a car. I've got a 66 Mustang that, you know, I'm trying to save some more money so I can do a lot of things with it, but, uh, you know, it takes money to do things like that, but I want to personalize it. You know, I want bigger tires. I want bigger chrome wheels on that puppy. So, you know, it's only got 14s on it right now. I want 16s on it. You know, I want to personalize it because I think it'll look really a little more beefy. You know, I want to really deck out the engine, make sure everything's nice and uh, really detailed and nice and clean. And, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I like turbos versus glass packs. You know, turbos got that low. 
for instead of that glass packs. You know, I don't, I don't like that personally. Some of you may love glass packs and you know that loud sound. I just like that deep roar of those turbos. You know, you know, you want that kind of sound. That's just my personalized. We personalize our cars. We personalize our, our, our. Heck, nowadays we even personalize our bodies, right? I mean, we make it how we want it. I mean, we go in for nose jobs. Well, we won't talk about other jobs, but you know, we do, we do all kinds of uh, transformations of our bodies and all this other kind of stuff because we want it to be like we want it. We even personalize our houses, right? Some of you like more neutral pastels and colors like that. And other of you like live, bright colors, you know, never paint your kids' rooms too bright, <laughs> you know, because there is some psychology with that. You know, if you have a big old bright yellow room, they're bouncing around off the wall. Well, part of it's because they can play, right? But, I mean, everybody's got their preference and their style and all this other kind of stuff that they like to personalize things with. But the reason I say that we want to look at this topic of can we make Jesus our personal Lord and Savior is because too many people in our world today think they can customize Jesus. Okay? Too many people believe that it's a K&W kind of Christianity. Right? You ever been to K&W? Some of you have. You know, I had a bad experience with K&W. I don't know if I ever will be back. But hopefully nobody works at K&W or loves K&W. If you do, that's okay. It's your personal preference. Uh, the fish killed me. But we won't even go there. Maybe I shouldn't eat the fish. But uh, and that was a long time ago, not on the Daniel fast. Because that would be a habit. But, you know, we like to personalize. We like to go through the the buffet line of Christianity and all the other religions and say, you know, we start off here and we, we like a little bit about this truth, about who, who God is. You know, we really love the fact that, you know, he's loving, right? We really love the fact that, you know, Jesus is loving. So we want to take a little bit of that. And well, we really like the fact of, you know, the personal disciplines that we may see. And maybe, you know, some people will choose a little bit from Islam or they'll choose a little bit from Buddha or they'll choose a little bit from this or this and this and that. And they'll kind of make their own privatized Jesus. Right? They'll kind of make him out who they want him to be rather than who he already is. You see what I'm going here? I'm not trying to bash and say you can't make Jesus your Savior. Okay? But in a sense, you can't. Remember we talked about in week two that that is something that's done by God and God alone. God chose to come and call us and woo us and pursue us from the, before the foundations of the earth was laid. We did nothing to do that. We didn't make that or create that. God came for us when we were unapproachable. And so in a sense, when we talk about can you make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, I want to understand in the context of the society that we live in that too many people think that they can just hand select the parts of God and the part of God's word that they want and leave the rest aside, right? And, and they kind of think, well, you know, I'm going to make Jesus tailor-made for me because, you know, I really don't like this part of the passage because that's just too hard, right? I mean, I'm, I'm here to tell you there's some stuff that's here tough, isn't there? some really difficult stuff in here. We have to look at that, but we are not called to live in a K&W kind of spirituality where we get to pick and choose from the buffet menu, right? Because look at this scripture, these two scriptures, Romans chapter 14, 11, and Philippians 2, 10, and 11. We're going to briefly look at these and look at two other passages more in depth this morning. But this is what the word says. It says, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. And then in verse 10 of Philippians 2, it says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These two scriptures want us to make clear that God is already Lord. Whether you make him that way or not, he's Lord of the universe. Okay? Because notice this, it says in Philippians, it says that every tongue, okay, Every tongue will confess. Does that mean that everybody has faith in Jesus? 
No. But at the end, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Meaning that we cannot make Jesus our personalized Lord because he's Lord whether we make him that way or not. Whether we choose him or not, whether we choose to follow or not, God is Lord regardless of what we think or what we want to think. Okay, and, and that's according to, to this. This is according to this Bible. You know, I, I'm just fair warning, right? I believe that this is true. This is the word of God. This is the breathed word of God through people that he has called upon throughout the centuries, right? And he, and he gave us this to proclaim his word. And from that word, from his revelation, we discover that every single person is under the lordship of Christ, whether they are surrendered to it or not, whether they're submitted to it or not. So in a sense, yes, you can make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior in the sense that you can receive him and he will come into you and that he will restore you. He will forgive your sins and he will set you free. But in another sense, you cannot tailor make him. Jesus is not customizable. He doesn't have color plans, right? He doesn't have a little color palette that you pick out, right? You know, wouldn't that be great? You know, the Bible just had little palettes that you could pull out and say, oh, I like this color better and I like this one like that. I don't really like this one. I'm going to throw that one away. But that's not the way God is. God is not customizable. He's not rearranged. He is simply Lord. Whether we choose to follow him or not, Jesus is God. He is Lord. And Christianity is not customizable either. It's kind of amazing to me how many different denominations we have. Right? I mean, I'm not a big, I mean, I'm in a denomination. I'm in the Wesleyan Church. We're connected with Wesleyan. But I'm not a big denomination dude. Okay? You know, I'm not going to die for the Wesleyan Church. Okay, let's just make that clear. Okay, regardless. If Jerry, my DS, comes by and says, Rusty, you got to die for the Wesleyan Church, I'm going to say, sorry, dude. I see nowhere in Scripture that says that I must die for thou Wesleyan Church or the Baptist Church or the Methodist Church or the Episcopal Church or the uh, blah, 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 whatever name you want to come up with, Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Checkpoint A, B, Church, uh, Cucumber Avenue, whatever it is. I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of different churches. Why? Because we're trying to customize our Christianity, right? We're trying to make God and put him in our little box so that we feel comfortable, right? I mean, we choose churches around worship styles that we can feel comfortable with, right? Or around maybe a, a pastor that we can tolerate, right? So we can get to lunch, right? Or, or because the kids' ministry is really great. You know, and we do, we do all these kind of things. We, we customize our Christianity. It's like, well, I like the way this guy presents it, this kind of thing. It doesn't matter how I present it or what I say. It matters what Jesus has already said because he's Lord. He's Lord. Whether I want to accept that truth or not, he's still Lord. Whether I, and so at the essence of our faith, surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ allows him to be our Savior. And that's where the personal side of it comes in. Because regardless of what we want to think, God is Lord, right? It's not my opinion. This is from the editor-in-chief himself, right? Because it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. What is under the earth? Symbolically, hell, right? Those who have chosen even not to follow God will still profess that, hey, he's Lord. Even the demons know that God is God, and they shudder. So we're trying to see in this series that it's more than just this personalizable, customized belief system. We need to understand what it really means to follow Jesus according to Jesus, not according to me or somebody else. Who cares what I think? 
What does Jesus think? What does Jesus say when he says, follow me, what does it mean? It means that we cannot redefine him, reshape him into our cultural preferences, traditions, and norms. We must receive him for who he is and let him transform us to who he wants us to be, right? I don't make Jesus my personal Lord and Savior, so I make myself in, I don't, I don't want him, I don't want to be made into my image, right? I want to be made into God's image because he's a whole lot better than I am. He's got a whole lot more truth than I do. And so when we talk about personalizing our faith, it's almost like trying to say, well, I'm going to put decals on my car or not, right? Like, because I like it and you don't like it, tough. No, we're talking about bare bone, minimum expectations of what it means to follow Jesus that every person on heaven and earth and under the earth are accountable to, whether they choose to be accountable to it or not. That's what we're getting at. That God tells us that we can't customize this. He is indeed Lord regardless of what I decide or what you decide. And one day we will recognize that truth, whether here or when we stand before it. I mean, there's no in-between, there's no happy meal medium, right? It is that we will come to this conclusion that he is already Lord, he is who he says he is. And if that's the case, and if Jesus is who he says he is, and he died and rose from the dead, and if he did what no one else in all of history could have or could ever do, conquer death, then we can't just accept what Jesus said. We must understand and orient everything into our lives about what Jesus said and become who he is. Because he tells us to follow him, right? As we learned last week, and what will he do? He will make us what? Fishers of men. He's the one that's going to do the transforming. I'm not going to come to him and say, hey, God, I want you to do this for me because it fits in my agenda or my schedule or my desire or I don't feel quite ready for that. No, he says, follow me. And I will customize you. You won't customize yourself. I will transform you. You won't transform yourself. God wants to come into our lives, not so that we can make him like us. Because let's be honest, the world has made Jesus like us, right? You wonder why there's no power in the church anymore? It's because the people of God have chosen to make him like us rather than like God. Because God is greater than anything I can ever hope to imagine, right? Or think, or even ask for. That's insane. I dream big. I think big. I think huge sometimes. My wife freaks out a lot of times. I say, hey, we could do this, 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 this. And she's like, slow down. But God's telling me, I'm not thinking big enough. I'm not thinking grand enough. That God is able, that God is capable, that God can do anything that I ask in his name. But how does that happen? It happens when I don't make him my personal Lord and Savior, but I allow him to be Lord, and I surrender to his Lordship, and then his power resides in me so that I can be who he's called me to be, not who I think I need to be. Because who I think I need to be is going to be a pale, dim comparison to compare to what God already knows I should be, because he created me, right? And he created you, and he's already got a purpose and a plan for your life that far exceeds anything that you can think of. Anything that you can think of. So church, we have got to start understanding that we come to submit ourselves. Part of our true faith understanding is surrendering completely to God and allowing Him to transform us. And let Him do the heavy lifting. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read from there right now, 12, 1 and 2. 
And then we're going to look at John's Gospel, chapter 15. But Romans chapters 12, 1 and 2 talks about this. And it talks about this, that it's not just this. Also, another thing about making Jesus our personal Lord and Savior is almost like this is one thing that we do. We remodel the room once and we quit, right? That's kind of what it thinks like. Well, I'm going to choose this and I'm going to stop. Well, that's really not what the gospel talks about. That's really not what God talks about when he says in Romans chapter 12, as Paul's talking, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, first of all, catch that. In view of God's mercy. In other words, God has been extremely gracious and beneficial to us, right? Amen. I mean, he has loved us as we learned in week two that we did nothing to receive this salvation that he has bestowed upon us. Nothing. He loved us when we were totally screwed up. That's the rusty translation. That proves his love for us. God, well, there's nothing that we could have done to do that. So in view of that mercy, in view of that surpassing grace that God could love us exactly where we are, this is what Paul says. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now think about the contrast of the Old Testament. What kind of sacrifices they offer? Dead. Okay? Put them on the altar. Have a big, big barbecue. Right? You know, they were dead. They're not coming back. But God is telling us through here, through Paul, that we should be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice means that this is a daily thing. This is not just a one-time kind of like, hey, I decided to follow Jesus. No, no, no. It's a, it's a daily yielding of ourselves to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What we did this morning when we were playing up here and we were singing, that's really just a small bit of what worship is. Worship is your life presented completely surrendered to God. That's true worship. In everything that you do, whether... You're a, a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a, a mechanic, whether you're a, a lawyer or a teacher, a doctor, it doesn't matter. We present ourselves in our situation as a living sacrifice daily so that it is then our lives become holy and pleasing to God because we have yielded ourselves and died to Christ so that he is now living through us. So he is the one doing, living this through us. And then it says in verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is why it's so important that we redefine what we mean by making Jesus our personal Lord and Savior. It doesn't mean you can customize him. No, don't be conformed by what the world thinks about Jesus. Be conformed about what Jesus says about Jesus. About what God says about God. Don't be conformed by what the world thinks. Be conformed about what God says. And allow God, notice this, all this is because of God. God is the one that's renewing you. It's not you. He's renewing your mind. Then, notice this, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I cannot tell you how many times I have people come to me and say, I don't know what God's will for my life is. You want to know what God's will for your life is? It's daily surrendering to him and presenting your life as a living sacrifice and allowing him to transform you daily. And when we do that, we will be living in his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. We will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is what he wants us to do because, as Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but who? It's Christ that lives in me. This is, the, this is the easiest job in the world to be a Christian. We just have to die and let God do it. Think about it. You know, all this effort and work and struggle and fear and worry about, I just don't know what to do. Just do! And do it in the name of the Lord. 
and you're in God's will. And if you're not, guess what? God will direct you otherwise. I've seen it over and over. I mean, and God is gracious. He'll let you walk in the wrong direction thinking you're walking his will for a while until you go, hey, I still love you, come on. Just get on the track and start moving towards the kingdom. God will perfect you. He will transform you. When we actually believe Jesus' words and realize Jesus' worth, then we will understand that his aim is not simply to come and make himself our little personal God. He didn't come just for me. Do you know that? He didn't just come for you. Now that's powerful enough, isn't it? He came for the world, every single living, breathing soul, born or unborn to this day. God is pursuing them. He came for all of us, not just for my little personal quaint, personal relationship with Jesus. Oh, right? You know, it's not about that. It is about us surrendering completely and allowing ourselves to be transformed by his will, his purpose, and his might so that he will be, because he already is our Lord and Savior, whether you make him that way or not. That we surrender that and allow him to be not only my Savior, but the world's Savior and the world's Lord. We believe him as disciples, therefore we obey him as disciples. As we have seen in this part of our call to follow Jesus, not simply for ourselves, but to follow Jesus means that we are not simply here for ourselves, but we're here for the sake of others, right? So we don't make God our personal Lord and Savior so that our little fuzzy heart gets warm. We do it so that we can be equipped and yielded and, and pushed into the world so that we can help lead others to the transformed life of Christ. Does that make sense? We're not here for ourselves. But in this world we live, it's all about ourselves, isn't it? I mean, just watch any television commercial. It's all about making yourself better, stronger, smarter, faster, right? It's all about us. God is saying, no, it's not all about you. I came to help you get a new mind. Understand, it's not about you. It's about others around you. You're going to be transformed to make a huge difference in this world. Jesus didn't come for us to make him into anything. Jesus is God, and, and he doesn't need any tweaking. <laughs> Amen, right? I mean, he doesn't need improving. I can't make better. He doesn't need a 2.0. He doesn't need a 3, a 4, a 7. I mean, right? computer programs, they're made by humans. Over and over again, it's like, well, we're going to do that better next year, right? God doesn't need to do anything better next year. He's perfect right now. He doesn't need our tweaking or our improving to make him better. We simply need to submit to his lordship and allow him to make us new and transform us so that we can truly be his disciples, so that we can be made into fishers of men. But how do we do that? How do we really allow God to transform our minds? How do we get to this point to move past just this simple one-time little bitty-bitty prayer that we pray and say, God, I, I want you in my heart, you know, I mean, we need to understand that, yes, that's all true in, in a sense, but God wants to transform us completely, not just intellectually. He wants to radically redeem us. How do we do that? I think one of the ways we do that is understanding that God wants us to remain in him completely. And that's why I want to read from John chapter 15. It's one of the most beautiful passages in all of scripture. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. To his disciples. And he wants them to understand by what power they're going to live this life that he's called them to. Because remember, he's already called them. Right? He said, follow me, and they left everything. 
They gave it all. They, they abandoned it all. And they followed him. And this is what Jesus says to them in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. He says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Now, first of all, understand that the vine that we are grafted into is Jesus himself in this context. And understanding that Jesus, meaning the true vine, is there's no other vine that we can be connected with that will give us life. It's only Jesus. It's the only branch that's going to provide any type of benefit to us. And notice that who's the gardener? It's his father in heaven. God is our gardener, meaning that we are not the ones even tending our garden. We're not the ones improving our garden. That's important. I mean, who cuts the, the bushes? right? The gardener, right? Trims them back. That's one thing I never really understood. Right? I mean, with like flowers, right? Rose bushes. And they get really big and then your, your landscape people tell you, like, cut them down. What? Cut them down. Cut them down. Tell me about this hall. They'll grow back even twice as big. What? The gardener understands that we always need pruning, right? That's why he goes on and says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And he looks into our lives and sees the dark areas of our lives, those things that are not beneficial to us, and he removes them from us so that we can do better. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Notice the purpose he does it for, so that you can be productive. Not so that he can punish you, right? The only reason God asks us to remove stuff from our lives is because it's hindering us from being who he intended us to be. It's not to be an ogre God up there going, you loser! Right? I mean, how about you? I kind of grew up that way. You're thinking, like, God just hated me. Right? I mean, anybody? He was this ogre God waiting with this two-by-four, just waiting for me to mess up, and he was going to whack me between the eyes. Maybe you didn't grow up that way, but I, mean, I grew up in a pretty serious... Baptist church a little bit for a while, and then I left. You see why I'm there. But, uh, it's not about the Baptist, it's just about maybe the preacher that I had. But God wants us to understand that he wants to make us fruitful. It's not to punish us. And then he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. What's that word he's spoken to you? He's spoken to us the word throughout the gospel of John that he has come, he has died for you to set you free. In other words, all this work, all this pruning, all this transforming that he's doing has nothing to do with our eternal salvation and our security. It has to do with us being equipped for the work of the kingdom. Because you're already clean. In other words, you're already saved, you're already redeemed, but you are not yet completely transformed. It is both an initial act where God transforms us where we are right when we first initially call and answer that call to follow, but it's also a process that as we grow and mature in faith and he transforms our minds, he finds more areas that we allow him to prune, that we allow him to shape in our lives so that we can be more fruitful. And then notice in verse 4, he says, Remain in me. Some of your translations may say abide. Remain in me and I will remain in you. We could just finish right there. Let that sink in. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. This is the truth, the real truth of the reality of the gospel. God calls us to follow him, to remain in him, to abide in him, to find residence, to set up our life in his presence. And what does the scripture tell us? He is with us. He remains with us. He doesn't leave us. He does not 
forsake us. He remains in us constantly. And it says, then after that, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So the whole purpose of our works, the whole purpose of our fruitfulness, the whole purpose of us going out is not to redeem us. It is simply to be transformed by God. And it's by his power that's living through us that we're able to do it. Because notice, what does Jesus say? He says, you can't do anything without me. Right? That takes some burden off, doesn't it, church? I mean, think about this. You were not the one doing the work. It's Jesus who is transforming you, who is doing the work through you. So when he calls you to follow him and you receive that transformation in your life, he's not going to stop. He's not done with you. He is going to make you who he already knows you are. And he's going to grow you, prune you, shape you, and send you to be fruitful. In verse 5, it says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Notice that again. How much fruit? Much didn't say a little, did it? didn't say a little sprinkle. It's not like the kind of fruit tree you see or a rose bush, you see one little rose, right? You're so disappointed when you buy a plant like that, right? Just to be honest, right? You, they see them in the, you see them in the, in the shop, and you walk in, and you go, wow, I want that one. They have all these big blooms on them, and they're, and they're massive. Look, and you buy one, you get it home, and it's like, Ooh. That's not what God, he's saying that when we are in him and we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. Then he reminds us again, apart from me, you can do nothing. The reason he keeps on saying, apart from me, you can do nothing, is he wants to make sure we're not a little egotistical and think we're doing the work. And that somehow we are, that we are the producing agents. No, 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 no. God in us is the one that's doing the work and producing the fruit. He's using us as his vessel, as his instrument. Then notice it says, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, and whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. You hear that? Just sit there for a second. If you, now notice that's a conditional statement. It's one thing I learned in grammar. Not the only thing, I'm horrible at English. If you, and if you notice throughout the Gospel of John, it's constantly conditional statements. If you remain in me. I will remain in you and you will bear much fruit. And you can ask anything in my name and it will be given. Right? Now this isn't meaning that we can ask for a big old house and a brand new Ferrari. You know, I've been asking Ferrari forever. You know, I really believe God can make me a better evangelist with the Ferrari. Right? There'd be all these people coming by my car going, dude, that's an awesome car. And I was like, we've heard about Jesus. You know, I mean, but for some reason, he hasn't seen fit for that because that's a selfish prayer. But when we are in Christ and he is transforming us, we won't ask anything that is outside his will for us. And therefore, he is saying we have got to be transformed in him, remain in him, abide in him, learn from him. And then everything that we ask will be a pure of heart and for his glory and his, for his kingdom. And it will be done. Do we believe that? But folks, the reason we're not seeing the power of God unleashed is because we are not truly following the way God intended us to follow. Does that make sense? God said to follow me isn't just simply making me your personal little play toy that you come to when life gets difficult. I want you, I want all of you, I want you to surrender everything that you have 
I'm a good father and I will give you whatever you wish. Because what you're going to be wishing will be my heart's desire. Do we get it? If we not, we've got to learn to abide, remain in Christ. Because he will produce much fruit. Because listen to this as we continue on in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory. What's to my Father's glory? It's asking what we have received in his name is to the Father's glory. And that you much, that you bear much fruit is to his glory. Showing yourselves to be my what? Disciples. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means more than making him your personal little Lord and Savior. He's bigger than that. It's not just your Lord and Savior. Don't get me wrong. I mean, don't feel like I'm being a heretic up here saying, oh my gosh, he's fake. You don't make Jesus. No, you still need to receive him. You still need to ask him to forgive you and cleanse you of your sins, and he's done that upon the cross, and it's not of your own doing. And you follow before him, and you submit completely to his will. I'm not objecting to that at all, but what I am saying is it's more. To follow Jesus is much more. He doesn't want us to simply live a saved life. He wants us to live a radically transformed life. Why? So that we bring glory to him. We were saved so that we can bring glory to our dad. Whether you had a good relationship with your earthly father or not, I know when you were little, you wanted to please him. God, I mean, I really wanted to please my dad. I mean, I mean he taught me to do everything that I knew on, or I tried, but, you know, on cars. And we used to redo Mustangs constantly at our house. And he'd teach me how to, you know, shape the fenders and, and sand them all down and to pull the engines and do all the different parts, you know. Oh, I know how to take it all apart. I don't know how any of it really works, but I know how to take it apart and put it back together. And, and if it doesn't work, then I'm in trouble. Right? But I at least know how it's done. Just simply watching my dad. I wanted to please him. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it the right way. The same way when we choose to follow God, that should be our heart's desire, our burden. Not because we have to, because we want to, because Jesus is in us and we are in him. And we will bear much fruit. And when we can ask whatever we wish, and it will be given us. We can ask whatever we wish, and it will be given. I want to see the Winston-Salem community and the triad area totally surrendered to God. Is it too much to ask? I don't know you, but I think that may be in line with God's purpose, isn't it? But how is that done? That's done by his people surrendering completely to his name and allowing Jesus to transform their minds and to present themselves as living sacrifice and learn to abide in him on a regular basis, 24 7, 365. We surrender completely to him. So the question is what do you really believe? What do you really believe? Not what you say you believe. Because what you say you believe really isn't what you believe. What you do is what you believe. followers of Christ this morning. Because God has a plan for you in the song that we sang this morning. I don't know about you, but Christianity is not some boring, dull, tired, burdensome thing. It's wild. It's adventurous. It's I mean, sometimes it's just plain, sheer, crazy, and amazing what God wants to do. And the fact that he chooses to use us is the most crazy thing. Right? 
tell you this morning, if you simply made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, are you making him into your own image or are you allowing him to make you into his image? That's the question we have to ask this morning. Because to follow Jesus means the latter. That we allow God to transform us that we don't transform him. That we allow him to totally invade everything about of us and then we come to Jesus because he is calling. And then when we are in him and we find ourselves saturated in his mercy and his grace, then we can ask for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, you see, this is the thing, church. Heaven, God wants heaven to come down. Do you believe that? God doesn't want us to wait to get a glimpse of his glory until we get into the into the eternity. He wants us to receive his power, his grace, his mercy now. He wants us to understand it so that we can be the light of the world, so that we can go out and look people in the eye, whether we say the words or not, and help them understand that God is alive, that he is Lord. And you know what? If that is real, if God is the Lord of heaven and earth, regardless if you choose it or not, regardless if anybody outside these walls choose it or not, then our hearts should be breaking and just totally in shattered tears. Why? Because if that is the case, if every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord because he is Lord, then those who do not know him, as this passage in John 15 says, they will be cut off and thrown into the fire. Do we believe the reality of the gospel? If we do, then it's not being offensive to share that gospel with someone. I'm not saying you go beat him over the head with the Bible. <laughs> Too many churches have done evangelism, not necessarily in the greatest compassionate and caring way. But I am saying if we love people and we love those who are apart from Christ and we are transformed by Christ, then we would want them to know Christ, right? Why? Because their life will only be complete in Him, period. Not my words, not my belief, but God's belief. God's statement. God who came incarnate to die and to live his life for us so that we could live in him. So if you come to Jesus this morning, if you come to him and allowed him to truly transform all of you so that you are producing much fruit. The good news once again is who's producing the fruit? Jesus. We're supposed to be producers supposed to simply sit and enjoy the company of ourselves. We're to be going forth into this world and seeing the world changed by the power of Jesus' name. There's got to be a resurrection again of his followers. God has called him. He's got a wild life. He really does. It's a good life. It's a great life. But it's not on your terms, your timetable, or your agenda. It's him. He's Lord. He's Lord of all. And you surrender to that. He will be your Savior. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and as we learn what it means to follow you, we truly are overwhelmed and quite amazed at how sometimes how lightly we how lightly we take things, Lord. 
how we truly do not comprehend the weight and the gravity of what it means to follow you. So Lord, as we, as we come before you this morning, as we listen to what it means to follow you, I pray that you would instill in us your goodness and your mercy and understand that it's more than simply a prayer, it's more than simply a, a commitment of, of half-hearted desire that it is a full yielding of who we are for your glory. And understand that, Lord, your greatest desire is to abide in us, to remain in us, to transform all of who we are. So, Lord, this morning I pray for each and every person in this room. If they have heard and answered the call to follow Christ, Lord, we pray and we give you great glory and honor for that. Lord, if, those that, if there are those among us that maybe you're not there yet, Lord, that's okay. Pray that you would just work on their hearts and help them to understand that you love them exactly where they are, that you love them in spite of their confusion and their doubt that they may have, even in their unbelief that they may have right now. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us all to truly surrender everything that we have all that we are today and that we would make it a purpose that we'd make it our purpose and our intent to follow you completely and that Lord that as we abide in you that you would show us your good, your pleasing and perfect will so that when we pray Lord that we call down heaven on earth Lord Father we want to see a wild and crazy life for your glory and for your kingdom. Lord, Father, we want to see your purpose and your will to be done. But Lord, we know that that will not take place, Lord, unless we, your people, yield completely to you and that you use us mightily for your glory. So, Father, we come and we ask that we be carried away with you so that you would show us this life and this plan that you have for us to your glory and to your kingdom and to your honor. So no matter where you are to Jesus, I pray that you would, wherever you are today with Jesus in your relationship with him, that you would come away with him. That you would live the life that he has planned and purposed for you since the beginning of time. Follow me is his call. And you will find peace in him. In Christ's name. Let us stand as we sing this closing song this morning. just ask that God would just carry us away with him.
just an ordinary, everyday, run-of-the-mill plan, that you have great, extraordinary things planned for each and every one of us who are surrendered completely to your name. So, Lord, this morning we just pray that you would just take us away with you this morning, that we would truly follow every bit of who you are, and that we would surrender every ounce of who we are to you so that your name and your kingdom will come through your servants, through your called ones, that they might know your peace, your goodness, and your mercy, that this world may be changed by the power of the powerful name of Jesus. We love you and praise you. In Christ's name, amen. We're dismissed. Thank you.